Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is baseball. Major League Baseball. And this is Mel Allen saying, get set for baseball personalities. Swing into baseball action. on to the excitement of another big week in baseball. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. There was nothing like it, nothing at all like it. 1977 is when it began this week in baseball. And before that, what'd you have? You had NFL Films. You had NFL Films and the Sables had created that and that was the concept of turning the games into something, some kind of other programming. And it's sort of absurd to think about right now what exactly uh, the, the landscape was like, but there was absolutely nothing like it. And baseball had to figure out something. They had to figure out something that they could do. It was time to take the product and expand a little bit and deliver it to people a little bit more. People had started watching TV a lot more. They had started looking for sports a lot more during the week, but think about it. Before the game of the week um, on NBC, even before baseball tonight, before ESPN, before there was an MLB network, before all of that, you did not see baseball. Eventually, you had the game of the week on a Saturday afternoon on NBC, and you had this week in baseball, which began in 1977. It ran until 2011. It had stopped in 1998 and then came back in uh, the year 2000, in the year 2000, came back in the year 2000 on Fox and ran till 2011. But by then, baseball was everywhere. But 
Look, I told you my personal story of how I ended up having the coolest job that I ever had or will have as an intern there in 1988 and 1989. But by then, it was 11 years old. I want to know how it began. I want to know what the feeling was like as they started to bring baseball to people that just didn't have it, did not have it at any time other than perhaps their own local team. So let's talk to Mike Costell who at the time in 1976 was the vice president of baseball programming for Major League Baseball and uh, is often called, quote, a driving force of the show, unquote. And Mike Costello has gone on to have a long and fascinating career in broadcasting um, that maybe we'll get a chance to talk about a little bit towards the end. But for now, we focus on TWIB because a lot of us have found it during this time of sportslessness, and it has been beautiful to find. Mike Costell joins us right now on 670 The Score on Hit and Run, and he joins us on the Alpamani Ford Hotline. Mike, good morning. Thanks so much for coming on. How are you? Okay. Now, first thing I have to ask you is, did you pass the quiz when you uh, became an intern? Oh, my God. I forgot about the quiz, and I should have shared that with people. The answer is yes. Um, I did pass the quiz. I remember I had to name the manager of every team, and I, I think I only got, I got like 21 or 22, and I felt bad about that, but maybe that was high enough to pass the quiz. The, the hardest question always was name a left-handed throwing out, uh, uh, outfielder, outfielder, I think it was. And it was like Ricky Henderson. There was, there was a half dozen of them. And, um, was, wow. Uh, so how are you, sir? Did, did you did you design did you design the quiz, no. Mike? Were you part no, of that? No, 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 no. There was a gentleman named Warner Fusell, called the best, who, who was the best and came on the show. Well, first of all, I have to fact check you just a little bit. Okay. Uh, in 1976, I was a sophomore in college. Oh um, my God! Okay. And in uh, and in 1977. Um, I got in touch with the people who were who did this week in baseball when it started because I was filling in for a family friend who used to record the games at Yankee Stadium. So I sat in the press box on occasion, recorded the games, met them, was there for Reggie's three home runs. Um, and then they called me and offered me, I was still in college, they offered me a messenger's job. And my job was was to go to the airport on the weekends, pick up all the packages of games because they were recorded at the park, and bring them back to the office and then view the games and log them. And at that time, we would do like two or three games at a time on three-quarter-inch tape. You set them all up and you log them. Uh, at that point, there was like six people in the company. And so I started as a log, you know, a messenger slash logger. And somehow, through the grace of God, uh, by the end of that first year, I was producing my first highlight film uh, for the Seattle Mariners. Um, wow. So that's that's that's. So I didn't become a vice president until about '85. Ah, okay, okay. But 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 your job was to physically go get the tapes and drive them, drive them back. This is this is what we're talking about. That's that that's yes. how you got stuff. And, and, and one of my, my lowest points of my entire career was standing in the LaGuardia Airport parking lot, and I had one of those shopping carts that, like, you see little old ladies with, yeah. full of bags of tapes, and the, and the, shopping, and the shopping cart broke. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, like, 
I'm like a parking lot away from where my car is, and um, my shopping cart is broken, and I've got 10, you know, big bags and FedEx packages of games, and I'm saying, how am I going to get these back? So that was one of the low points of my career. And I my career almost didn't happen because, again, I was hired as a messenger. And like two months in, um, I hit a bump, and my old car lost its oil pan, and the engine seized. And I go into my boss and tell him, he goes, well, Michael, you were hired because you had a car. <laughs> and so one of you sell, God rest his soul, heard me. And he said, look, I'm paying to park my car in the city. I never use it. Take my car. You reimburse me for whatever you get for mileage, and it's your car to use. So wow. Warner, Warner saved my career by loaning him me his car. So uh, how, how, how beautiful is that? In, in my in my two summers in the offices as an intern, Mike, you know, some people were kind, some people were busy, some people were flat out warm and welcoming, and then there was Warner, who was different from everybody. And <laughs> young Matt, come on in. Come on in, Matt. Let's talk. And we would talk baseball. And he wanted to pick my little 18-year-old brain. And I, I never felt so proud uh, to, to be involved in the conversation. But um, Mike, Mike, tell us, tell us what you can about about the early days, about the um, the, the beginnings of the show, and what 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 the idea was to try and and bring to people in Twib. Because I know what it became and what to what it felt like to millions of us. But what was the idea to try and provide? Well, obviously part of it was to market the game. But the main reason that This Week in Baseball happened was in 1977, Congress passed a law allowing you to copyright live sporting events. But in order to copyright live sporting events, you had to make a recording. So Major League Baseball, that was not set up. So they had to put a... a, a three-quarter recorder in every ballpark to make recordings of whatever games were televised and then ship them to us. Now, I didn't start till 78, but this started in 77. An important part of the job was to save these copyright sheets that that the people at the park would make, proving that the game was recorded and, and that Major League Baseball owned it. And so someone said, hey, we got all these tapes. Why don't we use it to do something? And that's that was sort of the reason how This Week in Baseball was born. Um, it, it came out of the necessity to record these games. Hmm. Interesting. And then and then people... People were hired to log the games, like you mentioned. Correct. And I told this I told this story before the uh, the hour of how my job as an intern was to follow a producer around and he would say, Go get me every great Bo Jackson highlight from the last three weeks. And I'd look <laughs> through all the I'd I'd look through all these logs and like, okay, uh, I need an at bat set of of Bo from right. wearing a road uniform to go with this play so I could set it up. That that kind of stuff. But like people were paid, I don't know, what what'd you make to log a game? Fifty bucks. Well, <laughs> when I started, when I started, my salary was one seventy-five a week. Uh-huh. And, um huh. And the hours you were you were on on thirteen days off one. So you work seven days a week, followed by a six-day week, and um, no overtime. 
you just stayed as long as you had to. And I remember it was a big deal when they hired someone else and he was making $200 a week. And so someone said, you know, it's not fair. We need to give Mike a raise. So, um, yeah, so I was at, <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that was, that was what I was making back in 78, 79. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 so off, off you go with all these games now taped and then you got to package it. And uh, what I'm trying to remember what the order of some of the stuff was twib notes, like twib notes is it's the, it's the simplest thing this week in baseball notes. And it's just a way to package little nuggets from around the league. But right. considering that every show and every medium has little bits and segments, that's one of the early ones, but that wasn't even there from the get go. Right? No, that, that came about, I'm going to say mid-80s. I could probably check somehow, but it was probably on, wow. only until the mid-80s. What producer did you work with? Do you remember? Uh, Bob, Bob Bodsner. Uh, <laughs> I will, I'm going to talk to Bob later today. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. He's, 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 he's I, I one know. of the real good people. He was wonderful. He was absolutely wonderful to me. And, um, and Wheezy Shapiro was the writer. Also um, great. Now, Wheezy, yeah, I don't at, did Wheezy write I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess Weezy wrote Twib for a while. Uh, yeah. There were a couple of writers. The, the first writer was Mark Durand, um, mm -hmm. and he was there for a bunch of years. And then he was followed uh, by um, – and Warner Fusell was actually the script editor. And, you know, not only – making sure that things fit the time. Like if you have a 20 second piece of video, you can't have 25 seconds of copy. And so Warner was very good at that. And he was also became our, it's beyond a statistician, but um, he would keep a book of every season and it would have every box score and, you know, articles. And again, this is well, well, well beyond before the internet. And so he would go to Times. He lived in Times Square with these crazy people in a Times Square hotel. But that's a, another story. Oh. Um, but um, yeah, he always told stories about screaming Gladys, I think he called her. And um, he would get all the out-of-town newspapers. And so that's, you know, we're working our script based on facts that you that are very hard to find out. You know, you'd have to wait a day sometimes to get a West Coast paper to see, you know, the facts of how the Dodgers won. Um, so it was it, the, the hardest part of doing TWIB back then was fact-finding. There weren't as many games televised. And, um, and still try to do not something just factual, but we tried to be very creative. You know, that's what attracted me. Uh, again, I started as a messenger, but I, you know, for... I was lucky to get the experience of working with a really good editor. And um, so that, that's, that's what drew me to it as, as more of a creative person and an editor producer. And that's really where I went on to do my best stuff. Mike Costell is my guest right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Matt Spiegel. Yeah, you went on to do a lot that I, I would love to talk about with you inside the actor's studio with James Lipton for a lot of years, I was a, a very, very loyal viewer and um, just a, a wonderful show. And, um, and and I wonder when you get to heaven, Mike Costell, what would you like to hear God say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, without telling too many stories, 
Um, I was once introduced to the head of of AMC Networks because I was doing, I was producing and taking care of Mr. Lipton. Um, he said, "I want to introduce you to our Joan of Arc," um, meaning that I was um, uh, in a difficult, not in a difficult, in a demanding situation. Sort of kept everybody sane. Um, uh, what would I say? Um, uh, I hope it took a long time getting here. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And, and I can ask you what your favorite word is, although I'm partial to uh, to Will Ferrell's uh, scrumtralescent uh, as, a, as the fake James Lipton word. Um, I'll adopt the word that um, I got from Rick Riley when I was doing the show Homecoming. Other people hated the word. I got a kick out of it. It's redonkulous. Redonkulous is 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 absolutely. It's yours, and 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 you can have it. Well, no, sure. that's Rick Riley's. That is Rick Riley's. Okay. So. Okay. All right. All right. Well, good. Um. All right. So we played the music coming in, and I've um, uh, you know, look, I, when when I started hosting this show in a revamped format last year, um, I openly stole the Twib opening music nice. and I use it at nine a.m. And 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 this is it. And this is this is jet set, right? This well, I was is just, just... going to say it's jet set. Yeah, it, it's, I'll tell it's you kinda, a funny it's... story about. Please do, please do. Now, I'll tell you a funny story about the closing music. Yes. Um, I left around. I left in August of 1995. And thank you. Well played. Congratulations. Well, nicely timed. <laughs> and I get a call from a producer at NBC who wanted to walk down the aisle to that music <laughs> when he got married. He Instead of, you know, dun, 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 he wanted to play the theme music from This Week in Baseball. Oh, love so it. I got him the theme music from, from This Week in Baseball. That person was Neil Shapiro, who went on to run Dateline and NBC News and is now the president of Channel 13 for a bunch of years. So I remembered that, and when I interviewed him for, for with him for a job in 2013, I said, "Remember when you walked down the aisle to this week in baseball's theme song?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Guess who sent it to you?" So, anyway, I love it. That love music it. is well is well loved. Yes, this is uh, here. Bring it up for a moment, there, Sean. Let it play in the clear. It's it's gorgeous, and it's um, and it forever goes with the montage that that went along with it. I think of Pete Rose diving into third base in slow motion, right? Nice. Um, some some iconic shots were part of that. And, and anything you can tell us about the construction of the open and the close, which have become, you know, um, just in- incredible um, baseball sensory experiences for all of us. Well, it, it, it's very funny because back then we did this on a wing and a prayer. You know, everybody, you know, there were not a lot of resources. And so all of the music was stock music. And so the people that started the show, which is Jeff Bellinfanti and Jody Shapiro, went through a bunch of stock music. And those were the two pieces they picked. And... um you know, whether it was, you know, great choices and getting lucky, um, uh, but they stuck with the show the entire time we were on. At one point, I think we reorchestrated uh, the opening music 
probably in the early 90s. Um, mm. we, we got the charts and reorchestrated it. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, they stuck with it the whole time. The, every year we would change the end credits, and it was a big deal finding the best shots that we had. And, again, we didn't have the ability to slow things down ourselves. Um, it, 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 the, the editing was, um, was very, very primitive back then. Uh, we would actually have to take dozens of three-quarter inch tapes into a professional studio where they would be edited together on two-inch tape, which mm. these they call them quads. You know, each tape would weigh 40 pounds. <laughs> oh my and God. so, you know, part of, again, part of my job was, you know, the night before our big edit, I would get a bunch of shopping bags of, full of cassettes and and cue them and um, uh, transfer them to two-inch tape so that the next day the producers could come in and cut everything with uh, the editor. Wow. I, uh, I, I Talking to Mike Costell for a few more minutes about, about this week in baseball here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. So Mel Allen's career as a Yankee broadcaster goes back to 1939, which is... Uh, amazing to think about. And, and he hadn't been, I think he was, he, he left the Yankees, what, in 1964? And so, so we're talking about a long time, 10, 13 years of Mel Allen being away from the game. And then he comes back to the game and is, and is I, I would think, revitalized by this new relationship and a whole new generation of baseball fans like me falling in love with him and, and falling in love with the game. And he was an absolute gem on Thursdays at tapings. I had lunch with Bob Bosner and Wheezy and Mel, and he was always, he, he was, he was always a, a gem, and, and I'd pick his brain occasionally for, for trivia. Um, but th that, that must have been wonderful to see kind of the rebirth and the reconnection of his baseball career for a guy like you, Mike. Well, first I have to ask you, if you had lunch in the edit room, were you ordering for Manganeros? <laughs> that I was know at that... least once, yes. Okay. All right. Chicken farm from Manganeros. That was the big oh, deal. I, I um, measure all chicken parms against it. You're exactly right. Uh, I tell you, I years later, they didn't talk a lot about how Mel got started. Um, but years later, I found his audition tape from 1976 on camera, and it was horrible. I don't know what had happened to him. He looked sick. Wow. He looked ill. And not only did it revitalize his career, it, I believe it saved his life. Um, he, you know, he came alive again. And he couldn't have been more fun to be with. He had his idiosyncrasies like everybody else. But couldn't have been a nicer, a loyal guy. My father passed away in 92. And... Mel came to them. I, you know, my father was a big Yankee fan growing up, grew up in the Bronx. All his friends that came to the wake were there. And Mel showed up. And he was just tremendous. He talked to everybody. He just, you know, there, there couldn't have been a, and Mel didn't know my dad. You know, I worked with him, I guess, for seven years at that point. And Mel could not have been more of, you know, he just, he just brought the place alive. And it was you know, there's something special about that. Yeah, no, for sure. I um, 
I, I wonder what, what feels like the lasting legacy of the show for you, Mike. I mean, for, for me, it's just, and for a lot of others, well, for me personally, obviously, like there's, there's this, I, I've got a long career in sports broadcasting and I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have that be one of the formulaic um, moments uh, in, in my life or formative, um, formative moments, not formulaic, um, it, it, in, in my life professionally. Uh, it, it seems like for you, that's, that's a big one. And there's a ton of other people who went on to long broadcasting careers from it as well, right? Well, I, I think the biggest thing, and this it, it's, and this has to do with the environment in which we had to do the show, is the lasting legacy is about, for me, is the people that work together to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we all love baseball. We all love what we did, but it was really that. Um, I don't want to say band of brothers because Weezy was there every step of the way. Um, uh, but it really was a bond between us that a lot of us still have. Uh, in fact, I was talking to someone the other day about setting up a Zoom call with everybody just to have, <clears throat> just to, to be us, you know, just yeah. to have a good time talking about the crazy things. Now, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Well, what was your best moment there and what was your worst moment there? Ah, uh, um, God. Uh, best moment there was it's funny it was one of those wednesdays when the show was being put together right and we were in that big control room and maybe i don't remember whether it was in the building or whether it was in another studio by then by then it was in the building i think it was in the building yeah and 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 bob bosner was involved in a conversation about whether robin yount would ever be a hall of famer or not and these are the kind of conversations that are social gold, right? And intellectual yeah. gold, especially for a kid like me. Could I belong? And at one point, um, they're having the conversation, and I piped in and said, won an MVP as a shortstop, and then won an MVP as a center fielder. And Bosner stopped the conversation, looked at me, pointed at me, then looked back at whoever he was talking about, and see, see, the kid knows, <laughs> the kid knows. So, by the way, that's the, the a great fact- impression. <laughs> so it the really fact that is. I contributed, the fact that I contributed something to these like, you know, grown men, wizards of baseball intelligentsia, I felt like I belonged. It was very special. Very special. I, I don't think the word intelligentsia has ever been associated with any of the <laughs> folks that, that we worked with. Okay. So, we were, um, if anything, um, we, we were far more willing to have a hoot than, um, discuss the um the higher uh, ethereal uh discussions about baseball how's that yeah yeah but but you know but but that stuff in terms of like you know arguing uh arguing value or arguing quality yeah. of of hall of fame before before all these different before the uh, so many metrics that we could just cling yeah. to just being able to come up with a nugget like that was was huge and um god where i, I don't know if i have a if I have a worse moment, maybe maybe I've maybe I've blocked it out. But I mean, I have more great moments. Like I learned trivia questions directly from the mouth of Mel Allen. You know, yeah. Um, and, you know, I learned oh. about the existence of Herb Score. I didn't know who Herb Score was. Yeah. And then Mel was telling stories about him, and then I went back and did my research. It was like, okay, well now, you know, that kind of thing. So expanding my universe like that was the best part. Yeah, no, it uh, it was a very special time with 
And we were all roughly the same age, maybe like a, a span of maybe six or seven years from the uh, from Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff Bellinfanti, who really, really was a driving force, him and Jody Shapiro. Um, and uh, so there was not a lot of – there were people that were willing to work hard together, play sometimes a little too hard together and just, you know, made, made it through it because, you know, we, we all stuck together. There wasn't really anybody who was, you know, in a lot of organizations in television and, and certainly in sports where someone's always trying to get, you know, advance themselves. And you do that by, you know, backbiting and, and, you know, really trying to put your career ahead of, what we were doing. And there wasn't really very much of any of that. And I think that's why so many of us are still, uh, are still close. Well, I got to tell you, Mike, it's, it's instructive because really in any walk of life, and I'm a, I'm a musician who's been involved in bands, both successful and not successful, both fun <laughs> and not fun. Um, radio shows, both fun and not fun, you know, and also, and also being around teams uh, my whole life and, and our whole lives seeing teams who are fun and not fun. What you just said about what it felt like for you guys and what made it special, it, it rules just about every collective enterprise, in my opinion. And often, I believe, you can tell it in the product. And maybe we got some of that sense of fun and joy and camaraderie and selflessness out of baseball from watching it. And, um, and maybe it's because baseball at its best is played that way, right? When everybody's pulling the same end of the rope yeah. and doing the right thing for the team, so it kind of fit very nicely into our world like that. Well, well, two things. One, I'd love to connect you with Bob. I would love so that. If you, I would love that. If you're up for that, have your producer just send me an email, and I'll connect you via email. And, and may I tell you one inside the actor's studio story? Absolutely, please. I, I adored the show. Well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you one, and if you have time, I'll tell you a second. Um, <laughs> Just because of the way the show worked, I spent very little time with the actual participants because that was Lipton's, you know, that was Lipton's thing. But for some reason, Peter Falk liked me. <laughs> and Peter, Peter would call, and, and it took a long time to edit his show. I don't really remember why. But Peter would call me at all hours of the night and say something like, uh, Mike, I got these pictures of me when I was in Yugoslavia in the Army. You want me to send you those pictures of me in the Army in Yugoslavia? <laughs> I'd say, sure, Peter. And he would call and call and call, and it was great. I, I, I loved Peter. So one day I'm driving back from Florida with my kids from spring break. We went to Disneyland, and I'm in Virginia, and I get pulled over by a cop, you know, a big state trooper, 6'10", you know, and I'm telling him, look, my daughter's got to go to the bathroom, and all of a sudden my phone rings. And it's one of those big old StarTac flip phones. So... I said, officer, and I looked down, and I see it's Peter's number, and I said, officer, do you mind if I pick up the phone? I'm sorry, it's important. He goes, sure, son, take your time. I've got all day. So I pick up the phone. I said, Peter, what's wrong? And he goes, hey, Mike, what's going on? I said, Peter, I'm getting a speeding speeding ticket in Virginia. He goes, oh, let me talk to the officer. (laughs) So So I give the phone to the cop, and I said, it's Columbo you know, who was a big detective character back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So the cop takes yeah, the Just phone. one more thing. Just one more thing. Yeah. Right. So he walks away, talks to Peter. 
hands me back the phone, says, son, if your daughter still needs to use the bathroom, there's a Shoney's about a mile up. I would go there rather than the bathroom. Have a nice day. So he gives me back the phone. I said, Peter, what would you say to the cop? He goes, oh, Mike, I asked him for a little professional courtesy for you. And so I said, Peter, you're now, you're now on my speed dial. So I know if I get pulled over by anyone, you're the first call I'm making. <laughs> oh, is that beautiful? Peter Paul, I have a Jerry Lewis story, too. Do you have time for a Jerry Lewis story? A Jerry Lewis story? Yes. Yes, yes, of course. Absolutely, Mike. Jerry Lewis, um, I was actually doing a, a music show, a concert up at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And I was on my way there to a rehearsal or something. And we had just taped something with Jerry Lewis, and it was like a holiday weekend or something. And I get a call from Jerry Lewis, and I'm on 95. And he goes, hello, Mike, this is Jerry Lewis. Phone drops out. I said, holy shit. You know, I, I miss Jerry Lewis. You know, so two minutes later, phone rings again. Oh, Mike, it's Jerry Lewis. I need to talk to you about the show. Phone goes dead. So, crap, what am I going to do? So I get to another spot. Two minutes later, Jerry calls back. He says, Mike, this is Jerry Lewis. I don't know what's wrong. You get to a pay phone. Call this number. You have five minutes. Oh, God. Said, oh, my God. So I pull off the road somewhere in Connecticut. I find a restaurant. You know, I, you know, you don't have, you know, I'm calling Los Angeles, so I don't have enough change. So you do an old-fashioned collect call. Where you bill it to your phone, your home phone. I call him up. He oh goes, "Oh my God, Mike, very good. You beat the deadline." I said, "What can I do to help you, Mister Lewis?" He goes, "Mike, do you realize that I have final approval of that show?" I can approve every word I say, every photograph, every piece of music, every clip you use. You realize that I have final approval of the show. I go, yes, Mr. Lewis. All our guests do, you know. He goes, and he goes on and on and on, and he's really loud. He's yelling at me. And at one point, I somehow had the nerve to say, Mr. Lewis, what did you think of the show? Best thing ever done on me. And I said, well, then why are you yelling at me? And he goes, Mike, I've been yelling at people for 50 years. And when I yell, people do things. I got you on a payphone, right? He goes, I just wanted to tell you, I was just calling to tell you, I love the show. I'm on my way to Australia. I can't get in touch with Lipton. Tell him great job. <laughs> how great is that? That explains yeah. how Jerry Lewis came off to people for decades. The yelling just mm -hmm. worked. So he did it no matter yeah. what. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh, so God. anyway, there are, that's the, those are stories for another day because I did eight years of that show, and wow. um, anyway, I was very lucky, and it was uh, uh, another interesting experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that that's two pretty tremendous. I know there's a lot more credits than that, Mike Costell, but those two, these two shows, TWIB and Actors Studio, are uh, are, are pretty indelible pieces of uh, of American culture over the last uh, 50, 60 years. So so yeah. good on you. Th Can I ask you a Chicago story? Please do. Please do. Last night I was shooting in Times Square. We're doing something for the New York Emmy Awards. And you you remember New York enough to know what Times Square is like. Of course. Last night, it was a mixture of Road Warrior and yeah. and um, Fast and the Furious. 
Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. police around. The entire street was taken up by drag racers and motorcycle wow. groups. Wow. It was, I never felt, I was telling my kids this morning, I never felt in danger, but we're sitting here just watching people taking over the street, like closing off Broadway at 44th Street and just having people do motorcycle tricks and bringing in, and these weren't professional guys, believe me. Uh, has how has Chicago held up with with all of this? Yeah, no, there. I haven't noticed um, the drag racing or any any kind of any kind of takeover feel in that way. It's just been very desolate. And look, our our weather is still vacillating between spring and late winter, where it doesn't exactly know what to do. So a lot yeah. of us don't bother to go outside anyway. At, at, you know, when all of a sudden it's it's back down to 35, we don't bother to go outside. So it's very desolate. Yeah. People wearing masks, and um, it feels very dystopian and uh, and unfortunate when you go outside. I gotta say. Yeah. Well, last yeah. night was the first time I felt like if this doesn't get fixed soon, you know what happens next? Because this is two blocks from one of the biggest police stations in New York right at 42nd street. And we didn't see a cop. We didn't see, and it was just, it was just the people taking over the streets. It was absolutely. And and not in a good way, you know, not in a joyful way. Well, understood. Well, I hope your family and you are staying safe and it sounds like you're staying sane or as sane as, uh, is your level baseline, whatever that is. Um, and this has been an absolute pleasure and listeners have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the time, Mike. And, and yeah, a producer will, will follow up and, uh, and let's stay in touch. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, and if you need, and I'll help him, you know, I've done radio, I've done lots of things, and so if he ever needs to to get in touch with someone, I'll be happy to help him if I can, you know? Mike, kind of you. Thank you so much, Mike. I, I, I appreciate it, and uh, and be well. Now, you know, I have to ask you one last question, <laughs> and I'm hoping yes, it's sir. a good answer. Do you have any yes. memory of me when you were there? Yeah, absolutely. You were you were you were busy, but you were uh, smiley, and your energy was excellent, and your glasses were too big, is what I thought. At the time. <laughs> they are smaller now. Thank okay, you. They good. are smaller now. <laughs> but yeah, your your energy was excellent, and um, and you you were very busy, but you were you were. In, I could tell people liked being around you, but I, we didn't interact a whole lot. Okay, my apologies. <laughs> That's all right. This makes up for it beautifully. Thanks, Mike. Excellent. Okay, thank you so much. That's Mike Costell, uh, longtime um, baseball exec and uh, producer of This Week in Baseball and inside the Actors Studio with James Lipton. That was fun and sprawling. Thank you, Sean Anderson. Uh, great work by you back at the shop. Uh, next hour on 670 The Score, Boog Shambi will join us at the top of the hour. Chris Kampka at 1140. When we come back, if we have time, um, why it was so good to hear Joe Madden yesterday on The Score. I'll play it for you next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the premier baseball show in chicago hit and run with matt spiegel wow thank you russ matera russ is a good man working from home like just about all of us are over the score, very few score employees going in. One of them is Sean Anderson, who is on the board right now and has been producing Hit and Run all year long, enjoying working with Sean, the phenom as he is known. Um, and uh, that was really fun. Thank you for the feedback via text at 6711, via Twitter at MattSpiegel670, uh, in that conversation with, with Mike Costell, who did not want to get off the phone, you know? A lot of us have time. A lot of us have time. A lot of the interview... Um, uh, requests that I have sent out via text or otherwise have been returned very quickly with yes. Why yes, that sounds good. And looking forward to talking to Boog Shambi at the top of the hour. He's a good dude. Um, so yesterday, Joe Madden came on inside the clubhouse with me and Bruce Levine, and that was a lot of fun. Recommend listening to it. I know it's archived and has been tweeted out. I have certainly tweeted out the link at Matt Spiegel 670. And Joe had lots of baseball thoughts, um, not a fan of, of, of some of the plans, some of the stuff that's being put out there, but is a fan of getting baseball out and, and having it played in whatever form. Didn't like the idea of what if we only get 30 or 40 games? Could we still do it and do it in a world baseball classic format or something? I think that'd be fine. It's going to be weird anyway, but Joe, not a fan. But you know the best part about talking about talking to Joe, and I didn't know how much I needed it is his attitude, his mindset, which has always been a draw for fans, teammates, executives, ballplayers, optimistic, curious, and a way to kind of turn things on their side into uh, a useful place, even when calamity strikes. This is, listen to Joe Madden yesterday talking about kind of the rare opportunity that this moment is providing for him. And he can't speak for you. It spoke for me a little bit, spoke to me a little bit. But anyway, this is Joe talking about him, about 
what's rare about this moment where usually the offseason is over and he's knee deep in baseball and all of the busyness that that provides. But that's not the case now. This is a bit of Joe from yesterday on that. So I'm staying physically engaged. I'm, I'm reading a lot. I'm, I'm actually writing a lot. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Uh, creatively, I, I guess is the best way to describe it. And I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I really am. I've not, you know, you normally have off seasons when you're tired. And this off season right now is occurring while I actually have some energy. Uh, they normally occur in October and it's tough or, the, or November. But uh, right now, coming out of spring training, uh, had a, you know had some rest over the off season. So this is our second off season. By the time we get ready to go, we're all going to be very eager. I've really been um, applying uh, a lot of like when I'm riding my bike, I'm talking to a tape recorder so that I could uh, uh, just really try to um, um, structure, analyze, organize my thoughts. I have not been in this kind of a creative mode since I honestly 19, 1980s when I began doing all these different things that put together organizationally what the angels looked like in the 80s and the 90s. And now, I, I, like I said, I've not had this kind of a moment where you have energy and um, and time at the same time. So um, I got this time to be more creative, and I'm trying to utilize that. I'm having a good time with it. Man, that got me going yesterday. Uh, the whole conversation was great, but just th it's a, it's about flipping the mindset, right? Oh man, I've got all this time. What am I gonna do? Oh, this sucks. I'm home, and I'm not I'm not you know telling you what to do. I'm just telling you how it sometimes feels for me. But Joe is like, wait a minute. I have energy because I'm not tired from it being the off season like I was, and I have this opportunity. What can I do? Damn right, man. Damn right. And that, that little flip can be super valuable. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I painted the entire main area of our, of our condo. And I was fortunate that she let me do any of the uh, actual painting because she usually doesn't trust me to do things like that because I'm kind of a jamoke and she's really a lot better at most things. But I was trusted enough to do it. So we did that. I also wrote a little bit in the morning for me, did that radio show with Bruce, um, wrote a little bit. Um, more later, um, then, you know, we had dinner, yada, yada, ended up watching a movie, a great movie uh, that I highly recommend called Blinded by the Light about the music of Springsteen and how it reaches a Pakistani kid in Britain. Uh, really enjoyed that one a lot. But anyway, and, and then did some, uh, did some other things, did, you know, but it, like, there's time. I, I don't know about you, but I've got time right now and space here at home. Maybe you don't have money, maybe you don't have money, but take it from Joe, whatever you got, man. If you got time and opportunity to go ahead and be creative, go ahead and, and, and read things you like or take in media you like, maybe you're doing that now and that's much appreciated if you are. But yeah, this is, you know, it's the old Japanese word for crisis is the same as the word for opportunity, right? Which may or may not be true, but I love that as a fact. I love that as a thought process. So thank you, Joe Madden, for just your 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 base level of optimism and curiosity and energy. It actually came to me and maybe some others at a very good time yesterday morning. The play-by-play -play voice one time of the Miami Marlins, Florida Marlins, the play-by-play -play voice of the Atlanta Braves, now the play-by-play -play voice of Major League Baseball for ESPN is John Boog Shambi. We'll talk baseball and life with Boog next. Chris Kampka later in the hour right here on 670 The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.